2: everybody welcome back to kego lasso and it's a special episode it's the return of the champions league we have jimmy conrad jonathan johnson roger gonzalez to break down tuesdays and wednesday's action as well as all the betting and analysis stay right here because here it comes Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I am so excited because it's Champions League week, the beginning of the Champions League, and I'm so happy to welcome for the first time to Que Lasso, to my brother, Roger Gonzalez. Roger, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Not as good as most Aston Villa fans, currently, <laughs> but I'm uh, doing well. Thank you. You know it, baby. You know it. Listen, Villa will return to the Champions League very soon, but let's talk about the teams that are here. Roger is here to break down all the American talent that's going to be taking part in this season's tournament. And we're going to really begin with, obviously, this week with a main focus for Tuesday. But, Roger, let's begin because we know that Weston McKennie is not going to be taking part with Juventus away at Dynamo Kiev. Let's begin with Chelsea Sevilla. Christian Pulisic, he had a pretty good weekend. How's he looking? Let's start with him and Chelsea as they play the Europa League champions.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's looked really lively. You know, obviously had that injury to start the season that he picked up in the FA Cup Final. And it's interesting because, you know, we saw in that 3-3 draw against Southampton, you know, we saw him start the match, but we saw him start on the right. And, you know, we had Mason Mount on the left side. And then when Hakeem Ziyech came in, you know, I'm I'm wondering, you know, what's going to happen? Is he going to come in for Christian naturally because Ziyech plays right wing, right wing, excuse me. And what did we saw? We saw Mason Mount come off. We saw Christian switch to the normal uh, left flank. And, uh, and it's interesting to see, that you know, Frank Lampard obviously knows that versatility that he brings. Um, I was curious just to see maybe who he favored to keep on and, you know, to see if that maybe factors into whatever starting lineup he goes with in the match against Sevilla. But yeah, I think Christian, obviously, you know, you don't give someone the number 10 jersey if you're not counting on them to, to be a huge part uh, in your team. It's obviously a special number that represents uh, the heart and soul of a team. And so I think Christian has played his way into, you know, being a starter pretty much every match, especially these important ones. And you know, I think Sevilla is a team where their fullbacks like to get forward. Uh, and I think there's going to be some real opportunities there for him to, to make a big impact.
2: So Pulisic aside, Roger, there's a lot of American talent playing on Tuesday. I mean, I'm looking at some games here. Who, who do you have your eye on? I mean, I'm seeing Dortmund Lazio, Barcelona with Dest, of course, uh, Leipzig with Tyler Adams. W- w- give us the, the load on, on this American talent, especially for Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's obviously so many of them. And and is a guy like Pulisic that has played so well that you're expecting him to, to be a, a starter, which is crazy to say about a 17-year-old who really wasn't talked about a whole lot when he was in the New York City FC Academy. And I think, you know, you look at Dortmund and the relationship that he's built with Erling Haaland and how well they've played, you could tell how well they get along uh, on the pitch. And, and you know, they're a, a dynamic duo that's really growing. I think Barcelona's an interesting story. You know, talk about Conrad de la Fuente and Serginho Dest. Conrad hasn't played a game for the Barca senior team. I don't expect him to to play here either. Um, But Serginho, you know, he started the weekend in that 1-0 loss to Getafe, played 90 minutes, looked pretty sharp. And, you know, it's a position where, you know, Barcelona really has needed some help uh, in recent seasons. And so I wouldn't be all that surprised to to see him play on Tuesday.
2: What about Tyler Adams? How's he looking as they face Lokomotiv Moscow?
0: Yeah. I mean, he started three of their four uh, Bundesliga games so far this season. And he's someone obviously who has some versatility as well, plays more naturally in the, in the midfield, obviously not where he plays with the, the men's national team. And, you know, ever since that goal against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League quarterfinals last season, uh, it's just kind of giving him a, given him a huge boost. It, it showed, you know, what he's capable of on the attacking side. You know, we used to seeing him sit deep and, and possess the ball and, you know, he's someone too, who's really playing his way into more minutes and, Just crazy to think about all these American players at these, you know, really, really good
2: European clubs and and, and how important they are to each squad. There's one more, uh, Roger, that you wanted to bring to attention that we may not be thinking so much about. Uh, One more player that might be featuring tomorrow. Who's that?
0: Yeah, Ethan Horvath, the goalkeeper for for Club Bruges in Belgium. You know, this is a team that starts Simon Mignolet, uh, but he picked up the coronavirus and, and is out. And so Horvath being the number two, you know, you would expect him to play. Uh, I spoke with him a little bit on Sunday and, you know, he's saying, you know, he's preparing to start. Uh, He assumes he's going to start, said they'll be bringing three goalkeepers uh, with them to Russia to take on Zen at St. Petersburg. Uh, But he said that in training uh, on Sunday, they didn't discuss the game at all. So he's really kind of not, you know, a hundred percent sure if he's going to, to be the starter, but we would expect him to, he's played for this team in the champions league before Um, really felt like he was actually going to leave the club uh, during the summer. Um, But He's there. He's going to have his chance. And, you know, Zen is a team that has some real quality uh, in their side, and I'm sure he'll be tested.
2: Very quick, Roger, before we say goodbye to you, I know that you got your picks. I got my picks. Just straight up the bat, before anything begins, who do you have winning this whole thing? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think back to last season where, you know, no one really thought Bayern was going to be a real contender early on in the Champions League because of the issues uh, that they had domestically. Uh, and so Juventus is a team that I'm picking to win. You know, they haven't really done a whole lot. To, to prove to me that they can win this competition. But, you know, you, count on, you look at Ronaldo and, and the players that they have, and obviously defensively they're so good. Chesney has been obviously uh, quite good for them as well. And I just have a feeling when they get delict back, you know, maybe they find some stability defensively and and can pull it off. I know they're not among the, the favorites for most people, uh, but, you know, for Ronaldo, you know, he's been the king of the Champions League, and uh, he went to Turin for one reason, and I'm thinking this season might be the one.
2: Hey, you, you, we never thought Leipzig was going to make it to the semifinals, right? So who, who knows what could happen? Roger Gonzalez, CBS insider, writer extraordinaire. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next time very soon. Thanks, man. The UEFA Champions League is back with every match streaming on CBS All Access. Messi, Neymar, Lewandowski, icons of today, but the next generation is not far behind. Match day one of the group stage is here this week And you don't want to miss the drama of the world's most prestigious tournament Combined with the world-class coverage of CBS Sports Go to cbs.com UCL to start your free trial today The UEFA Champions League There's nothing like it Hey everybody, welcome to Gago Lasso. We just talked to Roger Gonzalez and I am so happy to bring it all the way back when it all started in episode one. The team that keeps on rolling. Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson. Jimmy, how are you, bud? Doing great.
1: Yeah. Excited to get going again.
2: I love it. I love it. JJ, good to see you, my friend. How's it going? Likewise, great to be back on. Very well. Thank you. And yourself? I'm good. I listen, man. Villa one, right? <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell,
3: tell me, tell me about it. <laughs>
2: All right, listen, now we're going to lose a bunch of followers in a second and listeners. So we'll get straight (laughs) into it. Champions League is here. We're going to focus today, guys, specifically on Tuesday. But, you know, Jimmy will give us some betting tips for both days. But we will just focus from an analysis perspective on Tuesday because there are some cracking, some cracking games. And we will begin with PSG, Paris Saint-Germain against Manchester United. Let's begin. Usually we give the betting tips. But let's begin with the analysis because we have the boots on the ground on this one. JJ, give us the lowdown, the latest updates on PSG against Manchester United. Basically, the rematch from two seasons ago when Manchester United kicked PSG out of the knockout stages and essentially gave the contract to all the Gunnar Soldier. How are we looking for this one?
3: Yeah, so you know what they say, revenge is the dish, best served cold. And obviously, this is something that PSG will be wanting to exact. Uh, after that torment a couple of seasons ago, uh, Thomas Tuchel actually said in the pre-match press conference, you know, that he has very bad memories. This PSG squad has bad memories uh, of the match, and you know there are so many interesting storylines as well coming into this one. Obviously, we don't have Edinson Cavani returning to Parc des Princes. Olegan Solskjaer was talking before the match uh, and admitted that he's not fit enough. You know, somebody who hasn't played regular football since March, uh, he's not been fit enough to make the trip. He wouldn't have been able to play any, you know, real parts. Uh, in the match so that is one storyline that's already been killed off Uh, and disappointing as well for for fans of the beautiful game that Marco Velati is looking at missing the first couple of matches uh, of PSG's group stage campaign Uh, came back from international duty with an injury uh, so he'll be missing in the midfield however PSG have managed to ride a a sea of absentees in the build-up to this one Uh, you know a bit of a patched up squad went to Neiman, won quite comfortably. Uh, but then you've got the likes of Danilo Pereira who can come in and make his debut now that his uh, contact case uh, with COVID was, was proven negative, so he can feature. And Herrera, who was expected to miss out against his former club, will be there. Uh, you know, so obviously he's somebody who's going to be played on both sides of, of this divide by the end of this match. Uh, but it's, it's shaping up to be a very interesting one. You know, this isn't the same PSG that we saw go all the way to the final last season. Uh, but, you know, this is a, also a United side that has shown progress at times uh, since they came to Park de France and won, but also at the same time has kind of either regressed or stood still. Uh, you know, not really progressed as, as, as much as you probably would have expected them to uh, in that time. Obviously, they're back in the Champions League now uh, after a bit of time away. But still, uh, you know, the, the, there's this feeling that, you know, this United side is not tapping into its potential. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure
2: uh, on Solskjaer coming into this one. So, Jimmy, give us the betting tips analysis as well. What do we see here? Because, I mean, it's a cracking game from an entertainment value surely.
1: Oh, it is 100%. I think a lot of the values with Manchester United. So, if that's where your heart is going, I think you should consider some of these that I'm looking at. Um, but Bruno Fernandes will score anytime. He takes the penalties. I know he missed his first one in a Man United kit uh, this past weekend. So, he's at plus 220. I really like that. I think both teams are going to score in this one. PSG, though, I think we'll end up getting the result for a lot of different reasons. We can get into that in a second. But if both teams score and PSG win, that's plus 170. I like that one a lot. And then uh, Angel Di Maria to get an assist, plus 125. He takes all their set pieces. He drops in an absolute dime. And with Neymar coming back into the team, and of course when you have killing Mbappe on your side, and maybe even Moise Keane doing some business. If Acardi can't go, I don't think Acardi can go, then uh, I just think Di Maria is going to get a lot of looks at, at providing some assists. That's, uh, like I said, plus 125. For me, the big three storylines, I think, with this one, with regard to PSG, are they going to be like Liverpool, where Liverpool got to the final, and then the following season, they won it. They were so motivated to, to like, prove themselves. That, oh, we were so close. We could taste it and then work their asses off to get back to that spot and then do the business. Okay, so there's that angle. Will PSG be that or will those top players on PSG be like, ah, well, we couldn't really do it with these guys. I can't wait to go to Real Madrid next summer, you know? So it's just interesting to see what's going to happen there. And, and I think the collection of players here and Thomas Tuchel in particular are a lot different than, than Jurgen Klopp and the, and the players that he had. At his disposal obviously liverpool had a lot to prove in a lot of different ways hadn't won domestically in a long time so they're really itching to, to win a trophy manchester united ole gunner who does he start in midfield this team looks better when they have juan mata on the field when he's playing next to bruno fernandez and when donny vanderbeek's on the field as well they both kind of or they all see the game in the same way i love paul pogba i think he's a world-class player he deserves to be on the field as well i don't necessarily know where he fits and that said if you bring him in you bring fred in, you bring in mctominay they don't really have a true six either. And so that's that's vital for a team that's not very good in their back four. They're obviously missing Harry Maguire uh, for this one as well. They they just they have a lot of holes in their team and I think they're going to be a lot of goals in this one. So uh, those are the two big storylines that I had. And then the third one will come to me, but I just started talking and I forgot what it was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> JJ, are you ready for this? Are you ready? Are you ready for this? I have PSG winning the whole thing. I have PSG winning the entire tournament for a few reasons. And one of them, Jimmy already said it. Okay, I think that they've learned their lessons from last season. One specific situation here is I look at this squad, I look at this PSG squad, and now they're way deeper. And I think that players like uh, Florenzi, for example, right? The development of backer as well. Leandro Paredes looks good. I think that Rafinha free transfer is a good one for them. Moise Keane, they've now developed a squad. Specifically thinking about this game in particular, uh, And then I go back to JJ's point, which is I think they still remember two seasons ago what happened and they're angry and they want to make sure they, you know, redeem themselves and at least gain some kind of redemption. And again, I copy what Jimmy said, which is this team under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer works best when Juan Mata is helping out players like Bruno Fernandes and you know, trying to support the system that goes behind Rashford, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is I still see so many limitations in Ole Yes, they won against Newcastle. Big do right? My cousin, who's 12 years old, I'm sure he can manage that against us. Oh man, I'm, sorry, I'm a Newcastle know. supporter. I know, you're, I'm sorry, but-, but Aston
1: Villa high horse. Well, you know, I like you know what? you big and mighty. Sorry, I'll tell you
2: what, that horse is
1: getting
3: higher by the day. <laughs>
2: it's not even a horse, fellas. <laughs> it's way higher than that. And trust <laughs> me, as a Villa fan, I know exactly what it feels like to be managed under Steve Bruce. But anyway, going back to this game, I just see too many weapons causing too many issues for an angry PSG that wants to take some redemption from two seasons ago. PSG wins this 1-2-1. One, one.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I love your enthusiasm about PSG's chances this season. I, you know, I don't think it's unfounded completely. Uh, your your point about the, the squad depth is, is interesting because there is the potential for PSG to have quite a deep squad looking at the, the business that was done late on in the transfer window. However, my question at this moment in time is, Considering we don't know what uh, the likes of uh, Rafinha, uh, Pereira, uh, Keane are going to bring to the table in their current uh, fitness and form, we don't know how long it's going to be until Tuchel, you know, is actually looking at the options that he has available to him and starting to think, okay, you know, I have some selection headaches here, uh, you know, for the first time in a while. Obviously, he went public a couple of weeks before the end of the transfer window about Leonardo's lack of activity. Leonardo then sprang to life and managed to, you know, pull off a few magic tricks and bring in uh, a, a couple of players late on in the window we will see how that depth uh, ends up looking, uh, you know, realistically for for PSG, but you're right, Florenzi has turned out to be an excellent gamble so far, similar to the way that Juan Bernat turned out for PSG a couple of seasons ago, when they took a risk on him after Bayern Munich. Uh, But you've got as well players who are kind of forgotten about at this moment in time, Levin Kozawa, uh, who was obviously part of the, the disgraceful scenes that we saw between PSG and Marseille and got himself a lengthy domestic suspension, actually comes back into play for this one. So yes, you know, Backer's uh, development into a, into a senior option has been very interesting so far this season, but also at the same time with Kazawa coming back, Tuchel does have some uh, you know wiggle room now uh, at that left back spot, which he's not going to have domestically for at least another month. Uh, you know, I I I, do, I I get the you know the the sort of motivation uh, coming into this one for PSG not wanting to to make the same mistakes that they made a couple of years ago, but let's also cast our minds back to both of those legs. Uh, You know, Thomas Tuchel had to patch his team up and, and, you know, find a way to win tactically uh, that night at Old Trafford. Uh, And then when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United came to Parc des Princes, considering the absentees for, for that match... Nobody gave them a chance, Uh, you know, and I think that played into PSG's thinking that night. They got a bit overconfident. Some very, very sloppy mistakes were made. Let's not forget, you know, Gianluigi Buffon, the guy in European football who's been there, done absolutely everything, and you wouldn't expect to drop a clanger. Uh, on the biggest stage does so. Tio Kaya being played out out of position, you know, also messed things up. And then you have a very debatable penalty call late on as well, which, you know, essentially decided the match. So, you know, there's plenty of those sort of mini storylines from a couple of years ago feeding into this one. But we saw how PSG, uh, you know, managed to sort of get the monkey off their back last season, finally managing to break into the the very latter stages, uh, equaling the the club best semi final uh, appearance in the Champions League, and then going one better and actually getting to the final. So they will have a lot of motivation now. And you're right as well in mentioning Neymar and Mbappe. How are they going to be motivated coming into this season? Uh, you know, because they are playing some fantastic football right now when they're back on the pitch. And I think Neymar, having gotten a bit of rest after quite Quite a demanding recent international break, uh, you know, will be very important for PSG coming into this one. Uh, it's to his credit that Kylian Mbappe played and played so well against Nîmes, you know, but to think that he played on a Wednesday night and then a Friday night is, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. Yeah.
1: I want to jump in really quick and ask what Luis is drinking because PSG to go all the way is a bold shout this early. Uh, but I respect it. It's plus 1000 on William Hill. If you want to put some money on him, I think that might be, Wasting money. I think those players might be thinking elsewhere as the season goes along. And really in PSG's case, they seem to be a little bit unlucky with their draws once the knockout rounds start. I do want to add though, my third point, I just remembered it was the fact that I think that RB Leipzig is somebody they have to pay attention to. Both of these teams need points to start this group. Istanbul, Istanbul, here is the other team in this group. They haven't, even though they won the league last, last season in, in Turkey, They haven't looked very good since then. They're not playing very well domestically. I think they're going to get walked over. I think they're going to have a cup of coffee here say thank you very much, and they're going to bow out. Leipzig, I think, has a lot to gain here, and I think they looked very good at the end of the Champions League last season, and I think they're going to learn from their PSG experience where they got kind of Their ass is handed to him in some ways. I thought tactically as well. Tuchel's like, okay, kid. Yeah, I know you're managing uh, RB Leipzig, but uh, I don't know if you're ready to take the big steps just yet. And I thought that their professionalism and just their talent and experience overall was the difference for PSG. But RB Leipzig, and really they're going off at plus 500 to win this group. I don't put that out of the realm of possibility. I think that's some really good value there. PSG is minus uh, 150 to win the group, and Man United is 225, plus 225. I don't think Man United is going to win the group. I think it's between PSG and RB Leipzig. I think Leipzig is probably a better team right now than Manchester United. They're more organized. I think they have their identity figured out. And Ole Gunnar, I don't think, has that with United. So, again, that just kind of goes back to the point that I think this is a big big, big game to kind of start off the group with three meaningful points because I think that Leipzig is going to get that pretty easily against Istanbul here.
2: Yeah, listen, I said it as the moment as the draw was done that Manchester United is not getting out of this group. I think RB Leipzig is a good team. And also we keep forget. yes, obviously they're a rich, deep squad, but Julian Nagelsmann is one of the best managers in Europe. And he will outsmart Ole Gunnar soldier. I'm sorry to say. But <laughs> I have PSG beating Manchester United tomorrow. Let's move on. Let's talk about Chelsea. Chelsea with all their at- attacking powers. The American Christian Pulisic. They brought in so many people. Timo Werner. Hakim Siak is over there as well. Kai Havertz. My God. Just an embarrassment on riches. And then they tie against Southampton. So what is going to happen in the Champions League against Sevilla, the Europa League champions? Let's go with you. Jimmy from the betting tips perspective and a little bit of analysis. And then on to JJ.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting because both of these teams are coming into this game, having poor results over the weekend. Obviously, as you mentioned, Chelsea were up 2 zero and then somehow dropped the points and tied three, three. Well, not somehow. I think we all expect it sometimes with Chelsea uh, to not know how to close out games. You know, they shoot themselves in the foot time after time. You think they'd learn. They haven't learned. That makes it exciting for us. Casuals, I'd say. And then with regard to Sevilla, they lost their first game of the season. To Granada 1-0. Now, they didn't start Ocampos or De Jong up top. They were resting them for this game. They got the second half. They're kind of splitting the, splitting the, um, let's say, the halves and the, and the minutes with their important players to be fresh for this one. I think they're going to have to be fresh. I think Sevilla or Chelsea is a very good team. Also, on top of that, when you look at the Sevilla result against Granada, they got a red card. So 45 minutes, they were playing down a man. Uh, Granada scored late so I don't know I take all that into consideration whereas with Chelsea they were full full strength they had everybody there minus Kepa I guess because their new signing Mendy is still hurt unfortunately for them he's going to be hurt in this game as well so they got to roll out Kepa once again and I think there's going to be goals in this one both teams know how to score they know how to get it done uh, I think great value is Sevilla just winning straight up at plus 260. I think that's that's really good. Also, their top defender Kunde is out, uh, Sevilla, so I think that's going to only lend itself to more goals. I like Timo Werner to score anytime at plus 130. In his last uh, 11 Champions League games, he's been involved in nine of those goals, uh, seven, seven goals and two assists. He looked excellent. You can tell that he's starting to build rapport and understanding with his teammates with Chelsea. So I think he's going to get on the score sheet. And then Diego Carlos, if you guys remember in the Europa League final, he took down Romelu Lukaku five minutes into the game for the penalty. Uh, I think he's going to get a yellow card. He can get it anytime. He's, he's super aggressive in the way that he plays. And I think Chelsea's going to have a lot of the ball in his area of the field. So I'll say he gets a yellow. That's plus 230. I feel like that's really good value. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm what I'm seeing right now in terms of, of the bets. If you guys do want to go, uh it's a draw. A draw, I wouldn't see a draw out, out, outside of it, but plus two forty is to make it happen. I don't know. Sevilla's got a lot of experience in this. Anytime you count them out for them to win plus two sixty. If you look back the way for Super Cup against Bayern Munich, where everybody's like, Oh, Bayern Munich's gonna steamroll these guys, Sevilla should have won that game. You know, if they were unfortunate not to win that game. They had a good opportunity at the end to steal it there. Manuel Neuer standing on his head making saves. But uh Sevilla. Just show up for these types of games. Uh, Julian Lopetegui is a fantastic manager, and I think his his guys will be ready.
2: Yeah, JJ, this is a good one, I think, because also this is actually the first ever European encounter between both these sides. They've never faced each other. Uh, in Europe. I mean, you know, and Sevilla has won, right? They've won each of their last three major U, uh, UEFA-European matches against English teams. So that could say something. Um, but I'm with, I mean, listen, I think Jimmy's right on the money. I, there's going to be goals in this one. <laughs> they're just too, they're too uh, attack uh, centric, but also at the same time vulnerable at the back. What do you think?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree with you. I do. I do expect this to be a very entertaining match, and I'm I'm curious to see how the result plays out because this is one of those groups that I'm keeping a particular eye on uh, with Ren in action in the other match. You know, I think this is an opportunity for both of those sides, you know, to potentially start putting a shock into the works because if if it's a draw, uh, you know, that's a that's a fast start for whoever can win that match uh, between Ren and uh, Krasnodar, but. Like you guys, you know, I do have question marks about both sides' defenses. I what what I do like about Severe, and I, I I always like it uh, since Monchi has been calling the shots. Uh, you know, is the fact that there's always you know, good new signings coming in, uh, strengthening the team in areas where you think they're going to be weakened. And everyone was, uh, you know, making a, a lot of noise about Eva Benega, uh, you know, sort of going out on a high uh, with the Europa League last season. Uh, you know, but like Jimmy said, you know, look at the way that Sevilla performed in the in the Super Cup. And you know, they once again, they look very, very solid on the continental stage. You know, they had the, the luxury of uh, resting guys like uh, Ocampos uh, and De Jong coming into this one. Uh, you know, I, f- I feel that, that Sevilla are are motivated to really show that they can do something in the Champions League, make that step up. You know, they we know that the, the Europa League is theirs whenever they want it, that, you know, they seem to have its number, uh, but they really need to, to take that next step. And, you know, Lopetegui, the way that he has rebuilt his career with them so far, uh, you know, suggests to me that, you know, he is the right man to sort of lead them to, to take that next step, get them out of this group stage and perhaps looking at the latter stages of the Champions League. So everybody knows about the firepower that Chelsea boasts very, very exciting when it clicks, uh, you know, but they seem to be undone by a lot of defensive frailties still. And, I'm, you know, we're not just talking about the, the obvious uh, error prone keeper, uh, who I'm sure will be replaced by Mendy as soon as Mendy's fit. Uh, you know, I'm, t- I'm talking about the the, the cohesion of the, the the group as well. You know, there was no Thiago Silva over the weekend. He's going to be with wearing the captain's armband. He's going to be a very key part uh, of what Lampard tries to do with this team defensively. Uh, and when they're not getting time to gel, you look at so many of those parts. Yes. They're very exciting, very, very talented. But it's going to take a long time for for these guys to bed in and and really start to understand how to play with each other. And when you're seeing somebody like Ziyech only taking to the pitch for the first time uh, as a Chelsea player over the weekend, you know, this Chelsea side that we're seeing now is is very far from what could be the finished article. However, I do think that there are legitimate questions already starting to emerge, uh, you know, over whether Frank Lampard is going to be the the right guy to sort of shape and mould this project moving forward. Juries, you know, it's, it's too early for the, for the for the jury to tell at the moment. I have to say the jury's out. But I, I I do feel that if Sevilla make a fast start here in Chelsea, obviously fall to defeat, there is going to be a bit of pressure that starts to, to creep in. And, you know, Frank Lampard's seat is going to be getting hotter and hotter by the game at Stamford Bridge.
1: Now, what I wanted to say on the, on the back of that, because uh, I really like listening to JJ talk. I'm like, wow, he's really smart, um, is the fact that, He's right. Chelsea aren't the finished product yet. If they can get out of the group stages, they're going to now have three months before the knockout rounds begin. And I think that three months will be very valuable for them to continue to come together as a team and to build that rapport and understanding, especially between the Tiago Silva, right? He's got to understand where Jorginho and N'Golo Kante, how they block the passing lanes you know, how they move, how they hold their line, where are they stepping, when are they going to drop off? These are all these little nuances. And I'm just speaking from a center back. Now you got to imagine that for every single player on the field. You've already seen it now with Timo Werner in particular. Jorginho hit that ball uh, direct. It was as root one as it gets, it as English football as it gets up over the top. Timo Werner did all the rest, popped it over the goalkeeper and headed it in. But it's still that, hey, if, if I'm in a 1v1 situation, just put it up over the top and, and see what happens. And I think those little things are going to only make them stronger as they figure that out. Now they just have to kind of survive the group stages and they have a good chance of doing that. And then if they get into the knockout rounds with a couple months of understanding and playing in big games up to that point, I think that makes them very dangerous to potentially go on a run, especially over two legs, if that's what we're going back to in the Champions League, which is what I've heard. Not, no more of the single leg stuff until the final. And they're plus 2,000 to win it all I like that. I like that bet a lot. And and uh, it, it's good value right now. And that, that value will go down as they go through the group stages. And they're one of the last uh, 16. But but that, uh, that's just something to think about with regard to Chelsea.
2: Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, you know, betting early with Chelsea, you never know. I mean, listen, I, I, I one of the early opinions I had was I think you look at the squad that uh, Frank Lampard has and is clearly more assembled for the Champions League, I think, than the Premier League. Actually, they, they look more continental uh, heavy when, when you think about it. But the other thing that I said was I have Lampard uh, in this job until Christmas. So let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. So listen, let's talk, Jimmy, about the remaining teams. And then you just pick a few that you like uh, from a Benning perspective. And then JJ, after that, you can focus on any storyline that you want as we give our listeners and our viewers some of the action for Tuesday. We have Senate against Club Rouge, uh, Juventus without Ronaldo uh, away. Against uh, Dynamo Kiev, Leipzig, Istanbul, Beşiktaş, Rennes. You mentioned Krasnodar. I like Lazio, Dortmund. That's a great one. Ciro Immobile, Mobile, Fiorentina, Haaland. Oh my goodness! Uh, Barcelona, I think an easy game uh, against uh, French Varos uh, Salzburg, Lokomotive. No, that's uh, that's Wednesday. Barcelona French Baras is tomorrow. So, what do you think here, Jimmy? What what are you looking at?
1: Yeah, for me, I like the Lazio Dortmund one. Lazio doesn't look very good. To me, at the moment, they just lost to Sampdoria 3-0 over the weekend. They, they shipped a lot of goals to Atalanta a little bit earlier in the season. I think they're a little frail in the back, even with Chiro, the hero, up top, trying to do everything he can to, to get them a result. Uh, I like the over in this one, at 140, three and a half goals. I think there's going to be a lot of them. I think Dortmund's going to come out flying. I like Holland, as I should, to score first. That's where I think you get the best value with him at plus 300. But ultimately, my favorite bet of this game is both teams to score. I think Lazio will get one. But I think Dortmund's going to probably put three or four past them, I think, and Dortmund to win. So both teams have scored, Dortmund to win, plus 225. But, yeah, for a lot of other reasons, specifically Americans playing over there and playing in the Champions League, I'm excited to see
3: Giorena. hopefully
1: get some minutes and do well.
2: Yeah, crazy. JJ, anything else that you see that you like?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, going back to the, the Lazio-Dortman match, uh, I, I really fear for Lazio because it's not just like they're struggling this season form-wise. I mean, look at how their form dropped off massively uh, after the restart. You know, there's a lot of clubs who have benefited, uh, you know, from that break, uh, you know, Villa obviously being being one of the, the, the major ones. But Lazio, I feel, have really, really suffered uh, since then. They, they, they don't look to have been the same. Uh, and, you know, their, their belief uh, in... in Quite a few of the matches that they've played since just seems to seems to have gone. You know they're they're taking some quite heavy defeats at times. Uh, you know and, and I worry for them coming into coming into this group because I, I you know Dortmund have a lot of talent uh, as as they always do. Uh, I'm like Jimmy. I'm very excited to see how how Reyna acquits himself. Uh, you know to see if Sancho can keep his head in the game. Obviously look forward to every match that that Harland is playing in. Uh, and you know I think that Dortmund you know could have a, a, a a good Champions League campaign here. You know, we obviously saw them get into the latter stages last season and then go out to PSG. Uh, but, you know, there is so much exciting talent in this side right now. They're, they're definitely going to be one of the teams that I try to watch as much of as possible in the group stages. But I'm also really curious to see how the rest of this group stage plays out because the early fixture, Zenit against Brugge. For me, I have Zenit pegged as one of the potential surprise group winners. I mean, you look at the way that they're leading the way just narrowly in the, in the Russian league at the moment. They're quite a solid team. They've got a very pragmatic coach in Sergei Semak. Uh, and I just think that if they can keep it tight uh, against uh, an attacking powerhouse like a, like a Dortmund... I, I fancy them going up against the likes of Lazio. I definitely think that they, they, they will beat Club Ruger over the, over the two matches. And for me, I, I can see them finishing one of the top two positions. Zenit are one of those strange teams. That they're, they've been well-funded over the years, but they haven't really made that much of an impact uh, in the Champions League. Obviously, we saw them win the Europa League, uh, you know, sort of over 10 years ago now. But they've, they've never really been able to kick on and, and make that breakthrough at the, the Champions League level as they wanted to. Uh, and I think that this is a really good opportunity for them. So that's another one that you know I'm curious to see how it plays out.
2: Yep. Lats show Dortmund just very quickly, interestingly enough. I mean we have yes, Lats, you are struggling in Serie A, but remember. This might be the bolt of lightning being back in the Champions League for the first time since 2007, 2008. And, uh, you know, they were eliminated in the group stages in that time as well, Though, so we'll see (laughs) what happens. But the funny thing about this one is that no player has had more appearances um, in the competition for Lazio than their boss, Simone Inzaghi. So, you know, that could be another, you know, interesting caveat. Some excellent matches. Uh, Gentlemen, we're going to finish off here with a quick question because we're talking about the the favorites, the big ones, you know, right. Is there anybody in this tournament that you're looking at and you are going? you know what? They could get out of the group stages and surprise a few people. And I'm going to go first. And it's not really a shocking statement because we've already seen what they did last season, but I, I think Atalanta could win their group. I think they are that interesting. They're kind of like, you know, a boxing, uh, you know, synonym here. Like they're kind of like Roy Jones Jr. They, they just get in your face and they don't care. They don't have any regard for the defensive side of things. You score three, we'll score four, right? Gasparini just has such a good side. I think being back in the, or being in the champions league last season is going to help them. Um, and I just think they're going to go all out on this one. And I see Atlanta winning their group. Any crazy predictions? Any underdogs that you see, Jimmy? Uh, before we go to JJ, anybody else that we haven't talked about?
1: Well, I say Chelsea. I think that's. Uh, and I gave you the reasons why. I just think if they can get to the knockout stages, once that team starts to gel, I think they can be very dangerous for all the players that they have on the roster. They just need to tighten things up in the back. And if Mendy's healthy, I think they're legitimate at plus two thousand right now. That is that is something I'm looking at pretty pretty hard. I wouldn't sleep on Barcelona. You know, I think Leo Messi might have something in his bag. One last gift to all the fans there before he goes. They I the said underdog, Jimmy. They are. It's plus 1,400. <laughs> they are underdogs. Have you seen them play recently? They just lost to Hitafe over the weekend. Uh, you know, Atletico Madrid, then. I'll give you another La Liga team. There you go. With the I addition like of Luis Suarez. I don't know where the line is for you. Barcelona is a bit of a train wreck dumpster fire right now. I thought that one was okay. But Atletico Madrid could be one with the addition of Luis Suarez. I still feel like... They're missing the number 10. They need a Papu Gomez of their own, you know, somebody that pulls the strings and allows them to create numerical advantages in the attacking third a little bit more. So I like that. However, my bet for everybody is on William Hill, the leading goal scorer for the champions league this season, Robert Lewandowski plus 400. Like that is dude. You can, I'm basically printing money for you guys. You can pad your 401k with that bet. If he stays healthy, ridiculous. He's not gonna get it at all. I know this is off topic a little bit, but I wanted to let everybody know that is some incredible value. He's already scored seven goals in four league games. He scored two and two games for Poland. The guy's on fire. He's not slowing down. He's keeping it going. He wants to win the ball on door. If he can't win it this year, cause they're not going to do it. He's just going to go win it next year <laughs> because he deserves that, that trophy. And I think that's just a great value for that. But now I'll cede my time to JJ. No,
2: Jimmy, you legend. I love it. JJ, what about you? What, what, anything that we haven't talked about? Yeah, you know what? Um, I
3: do have a team pegged as being kind of the disappointing team of this Champions League group stage, and that's Inter Milan. I mean, you look at the group that they're in. I think Real Madrid are going to win that group and win it fairly comfortably. And the team that I think people aren't paying too much attention to that I like the look of uh, is Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, Very exciting team to watch uh, in the Bundesliga. Very exciting going forward. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Alessand Player uh Marcus Thuram as well uh, you know two very very able strikers and I'm intrigued by the way that the the Bundesliga campaign has gotten underway for them because we haven't seen Claire uh and Thuram featuring as much as I I thought we would in the the first few rounds of matches which suggests that they're being uh you know sort of wrapped in cotton wool a little bit made sh- Making sure that uh, you know they're they're fit and firing uh, before the the group stage gets underway. Obviously, player would have featured over the weekend, uh, but his his partner went into labour and uh, he, he's now our father. Uh, congratulations to him. But uh, for me, I think the the Munchen Gladbach looked like a, a, a very uh, intriguing watch uh, this this campaign for me. And Inter Milan. I was really surprised by what happened in the Europa League uh, last season. Obviously, they went all the way to the final and then lost to Sevilla. But the tension that was constantly sort of simmering just under the surface with Antonio Conte. So to see Inter stick by him, uh, I, I was quite surprised about. I thought the damage had been done. Uh, and that he would move on. Uh, he's not. So, you know, we'll see how that one plays out. But for me, uh, I think Mönchengladbach could be good to, to, to nick second place in that group. And then once they get out of the group stage, as we've seen with Atalanta, anything can happen. With regards to your pick of Atalanta, Luis, uh, I think that for me, that group all depends on Ajax. Liverpool are very, very vulnerable at the moment, not just because of Virgil van Dijk. Uh, you know the the way that they've been performing, even when Van Van Dijk was on the pitch, it's not been you know that convincing. Obviously, they took a, a, an absolute hammering at the hands of Villa, which nobody expected, uh, least of all you and I. But uh, for for me, I think Ajax are one of those teams that even when they sell their best talent, uh, they they seem to have this conveyor belt, this. Endless conveyor belt uh, of young, exciting talent coming through. Uh, you know, and you look at some of the goals that they scored just over the weekend. The, f- the football that they're still playing is phenomenal. When you've got somebody like Dušan Tadić, uh, you know, still in very good uh, goal-scoring and creative form, uh, you know that you're always going to have a chance. And Ajax are one of those clubs that are steeped in European history. Uh, you know, when you go to to Ajax as a as a youngster, you're brought up. To thrive on the, these European nights, and I think with them looking at this group, they're going to fancy going up against the likes of Liverpool, the likes of Atalanta, who are now sort of the new neutrals favourites. Uh, you know, and upsetting the apple cart. And for me, you know, I think this this Ajax side could surprise a few people, get out of the group stage, and do something uh, the further they go.
2: There you have it. Look at this show. Look at this episode. Do do you need more information? I don't think so. Look at these beautiful, talented beings with me. Hey, and Jimmy, where can these people watch the Champions League?
1: Well, yeah, it's on CBS sports, baby. That's where it all happens on pretty much every platform and in every way in the YouTube channel. And then obviously Kate Golosso, the podcast, we got you covered in every single facet of your life. So come hang out with us.
2: We got you covered. And because we said that we're gonna get a 20% bonus in Christmas, I think, right? I'll, I'll hold our bosses uh, completely accountable to that one. Jonathan Johnson in Paris, who will be at Parc des Princes tomorrow as well. And will be joining us and talking to us from the stadium and Jimmy Conrad, who will also return the next day. Thank you so much for joining us and guys, thank you. I want to thank Roger Gonzalez, Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson for joining me today on que Lasso. Don't forget to follow us on Kegolaso Pod on Twitter and go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review on Kegolaso, a daily CBS soccer podcast. We'll see you next time.